everyday people like you and me, messed up people, irritating people, disciples. Have you, have you read those disciples? He, they, they're you and me. He is inviting everyday people to join him on his mission. He's essentially inviting people to not just spectate, look how amazing I am, he is amazing, but he's saying, here, come, play with me, join me, I'm going to pass the ball to you. Does that, does that make sense? And so you see this right at the start of Jesus' ministry, and then ever since the day that he called those first disciples, when he said to them, hey, you, come and follow me, and he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He called them to himself, Mark 3 says, he called to himself those that he wanted to be with him and then to send them out. Jesus told them what they were going to do. He told them why they were going to do it regarding his mission. Then Jesus had them around him and he showed them how to do it. And then he invited them to join him in doing it. I was just talking to you guys the, when we were preaching through the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000, it struck me that Jesus asked these disciples to do the impossible, feed all these people. And they were like, what did he have for breakfast? Like, he's lost it. Jesus asked them to do an impossible thing. And then he knows that he's asked them to do something they can't do. He knows he's sending you into situations you can't handle. And then he says, okay. I'll do that. Can you just count to 50? Can you get them into groups of 50? Can you count to 50? Can you do that? And can you carry a basket? That's all the disciples did. But he didn't say, I can't believe that you did this and then do it without them. He still includes them in it. And Jesus invites us into doing ministry with him and doing life with him. And he will do the impossible. You just have to do normal things like speak to that person. Love on that person. Can you do those things? Call that person. Spend time with that person. Jesus asks us to do normal things, and he does the extraordinary on top of that. And ultimately, Jesus finally lets the disciples do it. And we've actually seen this already in Luke chapter 9. Jesus took the 12 and he sent them out. So you've already had messages on that. And now today in Luke chapter 10, we hear that Jesus, on top of sending out those 12, he now sends out another 72. And so Jesus here in Luke 10 has widened. He's gone from just himself doing the work to the 12 doing the work with him. And then he multiplies it, if you like mass, by 600% by having 72 on top of the 12 plus him. And so can you see the trajectory it's going to include you and me as well. Can you see that? Luke chapter 9, it's just Jesus. Later on in Luke chapter 9, there's 12. Luke chapter 10, there's 72. And by the time you get to today, it's including us as well. And so Jesus is inviting us into, he's giving us this incredible privilege. He gave these 72 in this passage we're going to read, he gave them the incredible privilege of joining him, participating with him. And I want to say to you this morning, Jesus has invited you and I, not just to be spectators, but to be players, to be contributors, to actually co-work with Him. And I think that is an amazing privilege. Don't see it as, oh, this is something I've got to do. 
It's like if you get asked, invited to play for Bafana, Bafana, it doesn't matter how bad I am, I'm playing. I will kick, I will kick for the glory of God. You know what I mean? Like, like if any of you guys, Morgan Eleni, you, you came and we played soccer, hey? Did you see my skill? I have no skill. It's just I'm going to kick this as hard as I can so that you close your eyes and something might happen. But I'm going to do that for the glory of God. Jesus has given you an incredible privilege. It's not, oh, I really need to. No, no, no. You get to co-work with Jesus. What an amazing privilege. It says uh, in uh, verse 1 that Jesus sent these 72, it says, into every town and place that he was about to go. And, And the picture that I've got is that Jesus could only be in one place at one time. But these 72 plus these 12 were all over the place where Jesus was going to go as well. And that reminds me of you and me and what Jesus is doing. You know, we come to church, but then Jesus, the real deal is when, when you guys disperse from here, because we're not that potent when we're all together, but when we get dispersed, Jesus' work gets multiplied. <laughs> In all the places that you go, the work of Jesus goes all over the place. Can you, can you feel that? That's what Jesus was doing with these guys. So I want to ask you a question. Did you realize, do you see that where you live, where you work, where you study, where you play, is exactly where Jesus has sent you? Won't you just put the next slide up? Next slide. Oh, wait, we've missed something. There we go. I think they're out of line. Uh, That number two somewhere else we'll get to there. Jesus has sent you on his mission to your everyday life. Mission isn't, hey, we're going to Ghana. That's not mission. Mission is your everyday life. That's where Jesus has sent you. He sent them everywhere he was about to go. He, he sent them so that you can imagine them just distributing all over the place. Jesus has sent you to the very place where you live, to the place where you work, to the people that you play with. Maybe you play sport or you run or you do something or maybe you've got some interests. That's where Jesus has sent you to on his mission. And so as you leave church today, actually the excitement is not in here, the excitement is out there, knowing that you're going as a sent one. You've been given the kit, team kingdom, kingdom of God. You've been given the kit, and Jesus has invited you to co-labor with him as a sent one. Jesus has actually invited you to join him in what he's doing in other people's lives, wherever you go. So I want to ask you a question, and you're going to actually discuss this with the person next to you. Sorry if you don't like them. (laughs) Just move quickly. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Here's the question. How would your Christian walk change if you understood that Jesus had invited you to join him on his mission? How would your Christian life change? How exciting would your Christian walk be if you realized, as you leave here, Jesus is saying, come, let's go. He's invited you onto his mission. Just talk with the person next to you. 
how would your life change? What, what would you do differently if you left the room believing that I'm on Jesus' mission with Jesus? Would you pray more or less? <laughs> Would it be boring? Would you see people differently around you? Okay, let's get it back. I, I've got this fear that if I let you guys speak, I won't say anything more. I just want to ask a few questions quickly. Who's studying? Anyone studying? Okay, so what would it look different? How would it be different if you were going into studies, going into lectures, being in conversations with people, co-working with Jesus? Hey? Are there anyone, is there anyone in education? What would it look different? How would it look different if, if the, the kids in front of you and your fellow staff mates and, and the parents that you interact with from time to time, if you were an agent of God, that they're not coming to church, but you're going to them? What else do we have? I'm trying to, I'm trying to think here. Pastors. <laughs> finance, is there anyone in finance, accounting, anything like that, huh? How would it be different? Friends, whether you're looking after a child at home, whether you're a neighbor, whether you're a brother, whether you're a sister, if you go realizing this is where Jesus has sent me. So, Yeah, let me hold myself back. Okay, <laughs> point two, point two. The question is, what is Jesus' mission for us? So we sent, okay, do we all agree on that, that we sent? We're included, okay, so that ever-expanding trajectory includes us. We're sent ones. And, and if you get one thing, maybe get that thing today. Like, if you leave, I'm a sent one. Jesus, invite me into the game. What does this look like for me, Jesus? Okay? Secondly, what has Jesus sent us to do? Let's just read it quickly. This isn't a totally, uh, uh, it, won't, it won't explain absolutely everything, but it'll definitely give us some hints. Verse 3 says, go, that's important, say go, hamba, huh? go, okay, that means you can't sit on your blessed assurance, okay, but you've actually got to, you've got to do something, okay, so go your way, and behold, I'm sending you out as lions. Is that what your passage says? I'm sending you out as, meh, 
as lambs, we'll come back to that, in the midst of wolves, that sounds exciting, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, greet no one on the road, uh, just got to pause there, Rob preached on this last, last week in, in Toti, and he brought an amazing thing that, you know, kind of think, what, why, why must you say no, you don't say salborna to anyone, like what on earth is going on, is Jesus telling us to be unkind, Jesus is telling us to be urgent, you know, if you're going somewhere, it's like, I can't speak to you right now, and you're just carrying on. That's the attitude is be urgent, okay? Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. Okay, please, now when you go visit your friends, don't just walk and say, peace to this house, okay? Okay, don't take it literally, okay? We will come back to that. Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there... <laughs> Your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return to you. And if you remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages, do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. I've just been to Ghana just recently, and this, I paid dearly for this, but I obeyed Jesus. Heal the sick. That's interesting that that's right next. You know, you're going to eat whatever, and then you're going to have to heal sick people. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So I, I've shown up. Maybe I've gone to visit someone in a hospital, and I must go with this awareness. Guys, because I've arrived, the kingdom of God has just come into this room. Because when Jesus walked into funerals, they became parties. Because there's no more dead person. So what are we going to do with all this food? Are we going to have a party? When Jesus showed up, the kingdom showed up. When you show up, the kingdom shows up. Do you realize that? You need to go tomorrow, teachers, knowing the kingdom of God just showed up because I'm here and I have the spirit of Jesus in me. That's why he's saying this. When you're going into a situation of need, the kingdom of God is here because I'm here. Not because you're amazing, because he's amazing. Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you are literally a walking temple with the presence of God wherever you go. Did you realize that? Because when Jesus shows up, everything's different. That's why he's saying here, the kingdom of God has come near to you because I'm here. But whenever you enter town and they do not receive you, ah, yeah, I knew that would happen. Go into the streets and say, even the dust that clings to your feet, wipe it off and say, nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Okay, let's draw some stuff out of this. What has Jesus called us to do? Firstly, Jesus doesn't tell us, be really willing to accept people who choose to come to the Morningside Sports Club and say hi to them, be kind. That's not what Jesus says. That is way too low. Jesus says, go. You go to them. Don't be, oh, it's fine if they want to come. I once had a lady who was freaking out that we were doing certain stuff in church, and she was like, no, no, no. If people want to come to church, if you, she, this is the language she used. If people, if you go to a golf club, you've got to find out what you have to wear at that golf club, and you have to change if you're going to go to the club. So people must change for us. And I said to her, no, you haven't got it, honey. She's not in the church anymore. You, you just don't get it. No, we're to, we're to serve them. We're to serve whoever. We're to go to people. So firstly, Jesus said, go. And then, I think the important idea here under this go is to know that in Recro Church, the real playing field, remember we said Jesus called us onto the field? 
the real playing field is not here. This is just the training ground. The real playing field is when you get into your everyday life. It's the other six days of the week. That's the real playing field. Amen? Secondly, from this passage, I want to just focus on the lambs for a moment. Jesus sent us out as lambs. This is such a strange thing for Jesus to say. So let's just think about lambs. Let's double-click on lambs for a moment. Lambs are not strong, are they? And so as you go on Jesus' mission, you don't even need to be strong. You're going as a lamb. All you have to do is obey. When the, when the shepherd goes, the lamb just comes. You just have to listen to Jesus and come. You don't have to, oh, but I don't feel that strong. Perfect. You're a lamb. You're not a lion. You're just a lamb. He sent out lambs amongst wolves because you don't have to be strong. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we're waiting at home to feel stronger. No, just go as a lamb, as you are. Secondly, linked to that, lambs are really vulnerable. And they're reliant on a mother and on a shepherd. And so Jesus, when he, sends, when he says, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves, he, he wants us to know that we need to be vulnerable and reliant. That actually the environment we're going out into, not everyone, if you start sharing the love of Jesus with them, is going to say, that's so amazing. Some people are going to say, who are you? We, we, we've got a friend who decided to pray for his mechanic. This guy is an Austrian guy in Cape Town years ago. We used to call him, uh, I can't remember what his name was. Anyway. This guy, Wayne, decides he's going to pray for him. And uh, we actually used to call him the car Nazi because he was so nasty. He would say things like this to you. He would say, don't bring your car here. I don't wash your car. I, I fix your car. Don't expect me to wash your car. And you think, oh, I didn't ask you to wash my car, but you just like that. He was like that. He was abrupt. And one day, Wayne decided to pray for him because he had been saying, oh, my back was sore. And so, so Wayne says, well, can I pray for you? And he's like, yeah. He was thinking Wayne's going to pray for him somewhere else, and Wayne reaches out his hand to pray for him, and, and this guy just looks at him, and so Wayne closes his eyes, and he's praying, and then after a while, this guy just says, and he says, it's not working. <laughs> he's just looking at Wayne. Wayne's been praying like this, and this guy's just been eyeballing him, and he says, it's not working. Not everyone you get sent to is going to be friendly. Not everyone you sent to is going to want your love or your care or want to hear about Jesus. Am I right? You're being sent out as lambs amongst wolves. And so what I would say is don't be discouraged when someone shrugs you off or they disagree or they even oppose you because Jesus said, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. Lambs also don't feed and protect themselves. They're reliant on others. And so as you go, be reliant on God. You're going with his message of love. Be reliant on him. Ask for his help. Also, don't go out alone, little lamb. Jesus sent them in twos. And sometimes, you know, I'm going to go to this nightclub, doof, 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 to, you know, to reach everyone, and I'm going by myself, and, and next minute I end up drunk, and, I, you know, and something's happened, and, oh, you know, I went with a good intention. Those people need Jesus True story, they do need Jesus, but you are not being wise. 
And so as you go, go in team, go and be wise. Lastly, lambs are gentle and meek, not argumentative. You know, I've never met anyone who got argued into the kingdom of God. Because your argument was just so strong that they just said, yes, you're so right, let me believe in Jesus. What's needed is not the power of your argument. What's needed is a humble, meek, reliant on Jesus attitude. So think a little bit about that. You've been sent as lambs. And what are lambs called to do? Lambs have got a message. Now, we don't have the full message about Jesus here, but let me just, let's take time to just quickly look at what the message is that you've been given. This is God's message to the world. Firstly, the world is broken and lost in sin. Amen? And actually, when you speak to unbelievers, especially in a country like South Africa and a city like Durban, we can see the brokenness all around us. And so brokenness is a really good way to start a conversation about faith because people experience brokenness all the time. They either experience it internally or they, or they see it around them. And so the Bible's language for that is that actually the world is no longer the way God intended it to be. And so we experience brokenness. The Bible also says that people are lost in their sin. So they, they're broken, but they're also lost. So they were made for a relationship with God, but actually they don't have that relationship. So they look for relationship in all sorts of things. They look for belonging, but they're not going to find it in any of those things or people. So the world is broken and lost. Secondly, God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus. And what did Jesus come to do? He came to die in our place for us and to heal that brokenness and to restore us. And so God sent his son, and what Jesus did was he died and he rose again. Thirdly, because of that, if anyone just believes in who Jesus is and what he's done. Fourth point, if you believe that, that person is instantly and supernaturally forgiven of their sin and restored to a right relationship with God. Their brokenness and their lostness get transformed supernaturally and instantly. That's the message that you and I as lambs have got. And I want to encourage you. Can you remember four points? I mean, there's no formula, but, but basically the world is broken. God didn't leave it as a broken world. He sent Jesus. What do we need to do? We need to believe in who Jesus is and what he's done. And if you do, what will happen? That's the gospel message. That's the message God's given. You don't need to know the answer to, what about the Eskimo? And like, will the Eskimo get saved if they've never heard about Jesus? I don't care, because you're not an Eskimo. Like, you, you don't need to know the answers to all the world's problems. You know what the most important thing to sometimes say to someone is? You know, I don't know. Well, then I'm not going to get saved if you don't know. No, they won't. They'll actually probably respect you more because you just said, I don't know, because you don't know. Go as lambs and go with this message. Amen. So this is the message we're to share on our lips and with our lives. And don't get caught in that thing of, well, I'm not going to use my words, I'm going to use just my life. No, you were told in this, in this passage, you're actually told to proclaim it. But don't be proclaiming it and not living it. So use your lips and use your life. Amen? Just turn to the person next to you and say, use your lips and use your life. (laughs) 
So the first point was that you're a sent one, so you're to go, okay, everywhere that Jesus sends you, to meet everyone. You, you heard about the Good Samaritan last week, right? And, and who's his neighbor? Whoever Jesus causes you to meet, even if it's some dude lying on the road, okay, whoever, whoever you come across, that's your neighbor. So you sent to whoever God's, God brings into your life. Secondly, you have a message, and you sent in a certain way, you sent as a lamb. I, I just want to say that I'm trying to live this life. I, I, I do this daily. I don't consider myself to be an evangelist. I'm just a believer in Jesus who's been sent, just like all of you guys. But wherever I go, I'm trying to do this. And so uh, um, earlier this year, um, I was getting my hair cut on the 1st of January because this felt like a good thing to do, you know. And, uh, and, and I've got a Muslim Pakistani hairdresser uh, who cuts my hair. And um, I just said to him, hey, dude, to, this year we're going to talk about Jesus. I know you've got a blade and you're Muslim, um, but I'm just going to talk about Jesus while you, while you kind of <laughs> shave, you know. And, and he's ended up coming to church uh, on, on, on uh, Easter Sunday. He came to church, stuck around for our, our bride, played soccer with us. He started Alpha, and then I realized his English was so limited. I thought his English was better than it was because he kind of can interact with you, but his English is kind of hairdresser English. So it's all the things that happen <laughs> in a hair salon. He's got those nailed. But if you get just a little bit out of that, then it's like, you know. So I actually downloaded Udu in Google Translate, and I was translating messages so I've been teaching the gospel to him in Urdu. So I'd write it out in English and translate it to Urdu, which looks like Arabic. And so I asked him, like, how's my Urdu? And he says, no, no, it's, it's going all right. But I'm just getting my hair cut, but I'm going to speak to people about Jesus. Uh, I was here at DUT the other day uh, for some physio on an injury that I got in my arm. And um, met this lady, never met her before. I'm not there to tell her about Jesus. You know, that's not what this is about but I'm a sent one. The kingdom just came because I came. And so she starts telling me that actually I'm her last patient, and then she's qualifying, and she's hoping to get married. Next minute she's telling me that actually her parents are divorced, and that's been a real sadness in her life, and she's starting a practice. And so we finished the session. I said, um, Heidi, um, uh, would you mind if I pray for you? And she kind of looked at me. And so I said, sit down on the chair. I'll sit down next to you, and I just prayed for her. That was the last person that she saw, and I don't know what God's going to do with that. Now she's handed me over to another girl called Kim, and uh, so I met Kim on Friday for the first time, and uh, Kim says to me, oh, I believe you're a pastor. <laughs> so Heidi has obviously told Kim, and um, so I'm like, cool, and, and we're going, and then she just suddenly starts telling me the sadness that happened in her final year, and there's been real complications, and so she's not finishing now like Heidi is finishing because of this. And so I just said to her, are you a person of faith? Do you, you know, like, how are you handling that? And she just looked at me, and she said, I'm, I'm really not into that. Um, and then, then she told me why. People will always tell you why. If you're willing to listen, she said, actually, I went to a Catholic school. Some really bad stuff happened there. And so I said, oh. I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, but I said, well, look, you've now got my number, and if you'd ever like to have a conversation around faith, hey, no problem. I'll, and actually, I'm preaching in the city just around the corner from you on Sunday. I kind of thought maybe she'll come, you know, but I'm seeing her again on Tuesday. The kingdom's going to come on Tuesday because I'm going to physio. 
Do you hear what I'm talking about? Don't say, wow, I want to be like Gareth. Please don't. There's one of me. That's enough. Ask Nadine. Huh? God wants you to be you. But can you see that being on Jesus' team just looks like your everyday life, whether you're getting something fixed up or whatever it is, you can just take the gospel of Jesus there. Nadine said yesterday, so we, 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 we went to Belito to pick something up, and we ended up having to drive, and then, you know, there's toll booths on the, on the road there. We came onto an, ent- an entrance, and the guy said, uh, I had 50 rand because we didn't have any change, and it's six rand. And so I said, you know, uh, here's, uh, here's the money. And he said, oh, I wish I could take that, but actually it's free because of the floods. So there, there's no thing. And so we, we said, oh, thanks. Thanks for being honest. And so we, we drove off, and then there was no car behind us. We stopped, reverse. We, we drove back to the toll booth and just gave it to him and said, dude, just because you're honest, just bless you. You should have seen his face. Now, we didn't have an opportunity to say, it's because Jesus died on the cross and, you know... <laughs> Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying, huh? I've been in the queue at Checkers before, and I just felt Jesus say to me, hey, because you're in this queue, the kingdom of God's in this queue. He didn't actually say that, but that's, that's what's true, okay? And so then next minute I hear Jesus saying, I see the lady in front of me, and she's, she's have you seen this, or you've done this? You've got the stuff that's on the, on the, at the pay point, but you know that actually you don't have enough money. So you're trying to work out how we're doing, and she keeps rearranging it as to what need, what's in priority, and she pulls out a SASA card to pay, and I feel in that moment, I just saw her doing that, and then I saw the SASA card, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, pay for her, pay for her shopping. Don't think I'm amazing, because it's just the Holy Spirit who said that, okay? So all you do is you do what God tells you now. But you don't do more. I didn't say, okay, honey, I'm going to pay for your, for, for your, for your, uh, for your groceries. But um, what I need you to understand is that you're a sinner and, uh, and, and that Jesus, and, and I didn't go back to creation. I didn't explain substitutionary atonement, you know, through the blood because his blood hit the ground, you know, like Jesus just told me to pay for her shopping. And then... I ask God, is there anything else? And he said, just tell her I love you. Okay? From God, not from me. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, as I walked away, and, and so she did. She said, why would you do this? And the, the cashier is just sitting there. Look, 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 look. So why would you do this? And God had given me the answer. Well, I felt God say, he wants you to know he loves you. That's it. Walked off. If I hadn't done the last bit and asked God what to say, she might have thought I'm a really nice person. But she didn't go away with that. She went away just knowing God loves me. That's what God. And I don't know what she had been praying that morning. I don't know whether she had given up on God. I've done this Jesus thing. I'm going to pray one more prayer. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm saying? Huh? You don't know. But wherever you go, you bring the kingdom of God. Amen? As the people at the back know, none of this is in my notes, so I've now got another half an hour. Hey, so I'm on my last, second last point. Thirdly, so we sense, we've been called into, we've been given an invitation, 
We've been given a message. Thirdly, turn the brightness up wherever you go. We know from the whole New Testament that we're to go and share the gospel message of Jesus. But if we go back to our passage, Jesus told these 72 to say some interesting things. And essentially, I'm not going to get fixated on what he told them to say, but rather what it means. Because what it means is Jesus was telling them in verses 3 to 11 to bring, to usher in a kingdom impact. They weren't just to bring a message, they were to actually bring the kingdom into that moment. And so these guys were given uh, marching orders by Jesus to go as lambs, proclaiming things like, peace be to this house and the kingdom of God has come amongst you. And so they weren't just telling people a message, they weren't just giving them a content download, you could say they were actually ushering in the kingdom of God wherever they went. They were actually bringing the presence of God into whichever lounge, living room, office, marketplace, wherever they were, the, the presence of God was kind of breaking in and coming right there. They were to announce and to facilitate the kingdom breaking in in that moment. And so, brothers and sisters, as we pray and as we walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit, what we should expect is that the kingdom of God breaks in in that, in that moment. Have you, have you known that feeling where, where you suddenly in a moment and suddenly an, an atmosphere, whether you're in a meeting, sometimes I'm in meetings and I just feel God's here right now. Uh, I, there's just two of us, we're having some coffee or whatever it is, but God's here. I've definitely been to deathbeds with people dying and suddenly you feel God's here. This is like a holy moment. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Keith, a guy in our congregation, died of cancer about two years ago and I was there uh, just before he, he passed away the, the day before and his brother was there. And suddenly in a moment, the presence of God was just there and a remarkable thing. And his brother just did Alpha. So his brother hasn't been at church. He's been a backslidden believer for years. The guy started speaking in tongues. Like the guy was dying, Keith was dying, and his brother just suddenly just started speaking in tongues out the blue. And I'm like, okay, something's happening here. But God was just suddenly with us in a remarkable way. And then I knew that Keith knew I can go now. It was just like this moment. Have you had moments like that? Where you know, I've come, and it's not about me, it's about the presence of God with me. Jesus said to them in verse 9, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Do you see that it's not just the healing that's the issue? It's when, when there's healing, when there's love, when there's salvation, when there's deliverance, what you're seeing is the evidence that the kingdom of Jesus is right here, right now. So the kingdom of God can, and it does break in any time we share the gospel and someone puts their faith in Jesus. The kingdom has broken in. In fact, Colossians tells us that person got ripped out of the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of the Son whom God loves. When someone's healed, whether it's physically, emotionally, relationally, when someone's delivered, when peace or joy comes as a result of prayer, when the presence of the, of the Holy Spirit comes 
on an anxious or a troubled person, person or a depressed person. That's the kingdom of God breaking in. This is what we were sent to do, to bring the kingdom in. And so this is what Jesus was sending the 72, and this is what Jesus has sent you and I into our everyday lives to do, to usher in the rule and reign of God, to change the atmosphere in the room. I like that phrase. Because you've walked in full of the Holy Spirit, everything has just changed because you, in, you, you just turned the brightness up. I like that phrase. We've been sent to turn the brightness up wherever we go. This world needs hope. This world needs joy, right? We've been sent by Jesus to turn the brightness up. Not because we just jolly people, or we had too much sugar for breakfast, but because Jesus is king, and that turns everything around. Amen? So just imagine something for me. Imagine how exciting your Christian walk could be if you prayed every day, and you went every day with this awareness, I've been sent as an agent of the kingdom of God to every place I've gone, every taxi I'm in, every person I sit next to. Imagine how exciting your life would be if you went knowing I'm sent and knowing that I can bring the presence, I can turn the brightness up right here. Not because of the weight of my personality, I'm just a lamb but because of whose lamb I am and who's with me. Just imagine, just, just think, close your eyes. Why don't you think about your life? Just think about, just imagine people that you, you're going to see later today, people you're going to see tomorrow, things you're going to do. Just imagine if you went thinking, because I'm here, the kingdom of God is here. And if you lean into that, imagine what will happen. Don't you want God to use you? Don't you want lives to be transformed around you? Don't you want situations to change because you believe Jesus? I know I do. Amen. Lastly, I'm going to bring it to a close by a really helpful pastoral thing that Jesus says at the end here. So the fourth point is, as we go, it's really helpful to know what is our responsibility, what's God's responsibility, and what's the responsibility of the people like Kim and Heidi and the lady in the queue. What's God's responsibility, what's my responsibility, and what's theirs. So let's just read 12 to 16. Jesus says, I tell you, it'll be more bearable on the day of Sodom. So, so he sent them out. He's told them to declare peace. He's told them to say the kingdom of God's amongst you. And then he says, I tell you, it'll be more bearable on that day of Sodom for that town, that town that didn't accept them. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, that's outside of the kingdom of God. That, that's outside of the promised land they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. It will be more bearable in, in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And for you, Capernaum, that's where Jesus had been doing so much of his ministry, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. 
And then Jesus says this. This is the key thing. The one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. What do you think is the biggest thing that holds people back from sharing the gospel, the message, living it on our lips and our lives? What's the thing that holds us back the most? What holds you back from ushering in the presence of God and the kingdom of God wherever you go? What's the thing that holds you back most? What would you say? You can shout out. To be rejected? Any other things? Often people will say fear, but I think if you, if you then ask that question, you get to rejection, because <laughs> what we're afraid of is rejection. And so I would say most people would say either fear or rejection, or maybe that I would have no impact, because none of us want to do something, but then it ends up having no impact. Verse 12 and 16 have a very important message for us then. Let's just read 16 in particular. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So brothers and sisters, three points to take out of this. As we go sent by Jesus, it's really helpful for us to know there's a responsibility that God has, there's a responsibility that we have, and then there's a responsibility that people have. And so it's our responsibility to go and to proclaim, to live the gospel on our lips and in our lives. It's our responsibility to proclaim and to usher in the presence of God wherever we go. That's our responsibility. But then it's God's promise to move in power. It's, it's His story. So when I go and pray for people for healing, I can't heal anyone. In fact, some people once left our church because it's like, you don't have any power. It's like, you are right. I have no power. But my responsibility is not to heal. My responsibility is to pray for people to be healed. And then God, it's your kingdom come, your will be done. We sang it today, didn't we? I don't have the power to save anyone. I don't have the power to heal anyone. I don't have the power to fix some situations. But I have the responsibility to go. And then God has the responsibility to, to move in power, to save and to heal. Isn't that such a relief for you and I? Because that's not my responsibility. And then thirdly, which is what this passage focuses on, it is the people you've gone to's responsibility to respond to God. To respond, whether it's with faith, whether to believe the message of Jesus, whatever it is, it's not your responsibility. And sometimes we go, we've almost made a decision for them that they won't believe. But that's a really unkind thing to do. And it's really lacking faith because now you've given no chance for God to do anything. There's no one who's on the edge of getting saved short of the Holy Spirit doing work in their life. Okay, so your responsibility is just to go as a lamb, to just share as a lamb, to be humble, to be reliant. Then God is the one who does something, and then people are the ones who have to respond. And I think just knowing those three things, knowing those responsibilities really encourages us. It gives us peace and it gives us a glorious confidence and humility because we can go knowing, I know what I'm called to do. I just need to obey Jesus. I just need to do my little part. You know, we, we were just saying 
uh, with this guy yesterday. You know, it's like we didn't even get to talk to him. You know, we, we had to move on. But who knows what's going on? Who knows what's going on with the lady in the queue? Do, do you get it? The lady that you prayed for at physio, and you're never going to see her ever again, but you don't know. But at heaven, we're going to know. But I, I've done my bit. I can trust for God to do something, and then they have to respond. And so I want to encourage you, even though you'll be rejected by some, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. Our job is to keep going, to keep obeying, to keep proclaiming, to keep ushering in the kingdom of God, to turn the brightness up wherever we go. That's our job. And then you leave it to God, and you leave it to them what is their responsibility. So Jesus has given us a really amazing invitation, hasn't he? And I want to pray that we would respond to his invitation. We would live daily his plan for our lives. We'd give our yes to Jesus. We'd be his kingdom agents. That we'd, As we leave here, we're going in all different directions. I love that picture of you guys all just going. If we could kind of track where we were all going. Like what does even just the rest of one day look like? And how can we turn the brightness up all over the place? I don't know what you're going to go and do next, but you can turn the brightness up. You can obey Jesus in those places and then watch him do an amazing thing. So I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you know what's your responsibility. You know what God is responsible for. And you won't be discouraged when people... We've just finished Alpha. We had... uh, We had 70 at the start of Alpha. We ended with about 50 people on Alpha at the end. And then Alpha finishes. And you want everyone to come to church. You want everyone. But actually, that's not our responsibility. And you don't say, oh, we're never going to share the gospel again because remember what happened with Alpha. No. That's our responsibility was to go, to invite. And then God needs to do something. And people need to respond. Amen.